Welcome to LEAD, a podcast from the Lakes Education Action Drive, a nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving the natural beauty and quality of lakes in Polk County, Florida. Established in 1985, LEAD has taken an active role in the pursuit to preserve our lakes and environmental resources. In addition, LEAD encourages residents to take advantage of the many excellent opportunities our lakes provide. Before we get started, LEAD would like to thank our sponsor, Florida's Horizon, a company dedicated to building bridges and providing solutions between the regulated and the regulators. LEAD is recorded at the Offbrine Studios in beautiful Central Florida. Now, sit back and enjoy this episode. Webster's defines a lake as a considerable inland body of standing water. Here in Polk County, we know a lake means so much more. From a place supporting all kinds of animal and plant life to boating and recreation, the over 550 lakes in Polk County are the reason many of us live, work, and play here. Besides the environmental benefits and recreational opportunities our lakes provide, they also rehydrate our aquifer. Currently all of Polk County's drinking water supply comes from the ground and every time it rains our lakes, rivers, and streams accelerate the ground infiltration of this rainwater. So do Polk County residents and visitors appreciate our lakes? You bet. That's why today we are speaking with Steve Lunt, the former program lead for Lakes Appreciation Month created by the North American Lakes Management Society. NOMS Mission is simple, but a powerful one, to forge partnerships among citizens, scientists, and professionals, to foster the management and protection of lakes and reservoirs for today and tomorrow. NOMS does not focus on professionals, academic researchers, or any small interest group alone. Rather, NOMS is a melting pot, welcoming anyone interested in lakes. Steve Lunt is a senior water quality scientist for Metro Water Recovery. Formed in 1961, Metro Water Recovery is the largest wastewater treatment provider in the Rocky Mountain West. Steve has worked on lakes and reservoirs for the past 25 years as a certified lakes manager. He has been on the board of NOMS, CLRMA, Bar Milton Watershed Association, and other lake-related organizations. Besides a background in lake monitoring, Steve has a long background in watershed management, public education, and outreach about water quality topics. Steve, welcome. And before we get to the Lakes Appreciation Month, tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, sure. So uh, I'll just kind of go a quick summary of basically uh, my life, and it kind of lays out how I got to where I am today. And, and I, I grew up um, right on the Columbia River in Longview, Washington, just, just inland from the ocean and just north of Portland, Oregon. Uh, you know, just grew up uh, loving the outdoors, playing on the water a lot. Um, 
went to graduate school at Pacific University, just outside Portland. Um, and then I, I moved to Denver in, in the mid-90s, right after undergrad, and, and lived here uh, for a couple of years. And that's when I kind of had the moment of really soul-searching of like, uh, what do I want to be? What do I want to do for with my life? And that's sort of when I kind of decided I wanted to get into the world of water quality um, and management and protection of water. Um, coming from the Pacific Northwest, clearly there's a, a lot of water up there that needs to be managed. And then living in Denver, I quickly found it's semi-arid. It's pretty dry here, especially on the east side of the Rockies. And so whatever water we do have here is, is pretty precious to protect. So I figured, you know, getting a degree and getting a career in water was a pretty safe bet for career-wise as well as something I knew I enjoyed internally. So then from Denver, believe it or not, I moved even further east and I got into a graduate school program at Indiana University. And there is the School of Public Environmental Affairs. The acronym is SPIA. And that program's been around for since the 60s and so I went there for two years in the late 90s and I uh, focused on water resources and I kind of stumbled into this professor's lab and I started working with him and his name is uh, uh, Bill Jones and at the time he was the head of uh, doing all the lake monitoring for the state of Indiana for the Clean Water Act. He also was uh, the current president of, of NALMS and that's how I got started is because he got me interested. And so in 1998, I went to my first symposium conference. It was actually in Banff, Canada, of all places, such a beautiful spot. So, wow. so, I, so I quickly, you know, just got into um, studying lakes, monitoring lakes, monitoring them, obviously working on their watersheds. And, and then from there, I moved back to Portland, Oregon, knowing I want to get back to the Northwest. And I, and I right out of grad school, I, be, I became this glorified pool boy for this Lake Oswego, which is this really fancy private lake, and um, <laughs> I had a, a lot of money at my hands to do whatever I wanted, so it was a great job <laughs> to uh, start working on a lake that had a lot of problems. It was a lot of fun. I bet. Then finally, you know, we started having kids, and I ended up back in Denver, and I've been here at uh, Metro Water Recovery for about, actually right at 20 years. So that's sort of my life story, how I got to where I am now. So you're west, we're east. I, I much rather deal with eastern water law than, than what you have to deal with with western water law. But they both have their challenges. And I've been to California a few times working with some farmers over there before. I know the struggle's big out there with, with you know, the water and moving it around. You, you're in Denver, it's arid. But, uh, but the struggle of, of, you know, the water being impounded on private property, not making it downstream... That, that's got to be a big issue out there that you deal with on a regular basis. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, Western water law is, is pretty tricky to understand. Now, I, I come from the realm of water quality, but it's so hard to only talk about water quality. The whole other side of it is water quantity. And in, in, in a place like here in Colorado where it's dry, water quantity trumps water quality. And, and you know, I grew like I said, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest where – it was rainy, it was wet, we had no issues of drought. And so I, I just, coming, you know, coming of age, I thought, oh, the whole West is wet. But once I got out of the state and started moving around, I realized, oh man, the, the West is definitely arid. And, um, and when it's a limited resource, you know, sometimes 
all people care about is that it that it is wet. They don't care about the quality of it. Uh, right. They just need that water. So it has been a challenge to to balance, you know, water quality with with water quantity for sure. And we see it here in Florida occasionally in that, you know, we went through a, a drought period of time in the early 2000s, and then about 2010, 2011, we, we became a land of plenty again. You know, the rain was sure. was falling strong. And, and you're right, when, yeah. when there's a lot of water, we're complaining about flooding, potentially, but we also yeah. can deal more with the water quality side of it when it's, when it's lack, you know, but when mm-hmm. people are just concerned about it opening the tap and having water yeah. come through. Yeah, I always just say, you know, there's not one is more than the other. I think they should always be talked about at the same time, water quality and water quantity, because that's, that's really what we're all about is needing water, but we also need it to meet our needs and our uses. So they need to be part of every discussion. That's a great way of putting it. Well, you know, each year, the Board of Directors of the Lakes Education Action Drive, we reach out to Polk County and our 17 municipalities. And we encourage them to proclaim July as Lakes Appreciation Month. We appreciate and know the importance of our lakes. What is the origin of Lakes Appreciation Month? Well, I mentioned, you know, I was in at in Indiana University uh, between 97 and 99. And uh, it was sort of in the winter of 98 that, that, that professor of mine, Bill Jones, was the current president of Alms. And I was in his office, and he, and he had a poster on the ground that had some artwork, and it said, I think back then it was called Lake Awareness Week. Mm, it was yes. a week long, and that's sort of how it all started. It was about in 1998, and um, the idea was that in early July, you know, a lot of people are on vacation, uh, the big holidays for the summer are happening, uh, people people are exposed to lakes and vacations, so they thought, no, I'm sorry, it'd be good to have this one week dedicated to appreciating and giving back and thinking about our lakes, even in Canada and the United States. And so that was sort of the origin of it. And then it kind of quickly grew. And then I think around 2002, 2003, EPA had some funds available and they started sponsoring it and promoting it. And then they just realized, uh, let's just make it a month long and call it Lakes Appreciation Month. Um, the other thing that goes on right at that same time, and it's been going on since I think 94, is the Secchi Dip-In. Oh. Um, Bob Carlson, a professor from Kent State, came up with this idea that um, the Secchi Dip that a lot of us use to measure water clarity, um, the idea was everyone would go out in a, in, a, in a week or two span, early July, and take a water clarity reading, and then send that data to this professor, and then he would collect it and analyze it, and it would be like a snapshot of what is what, what are our lakes looking at like all at once. Um, and so that's been going on as well for, that's been going on even longer than Lakes Appreciation Month. And so all these things kind of came together to, to form this this idea of having a month-long celebration and, and getting people thinking about their, that their lakes that they sometimes neglect. Wow, that, that, that's great. And, and they do neglect and and often most of the time it, it's not intentional it's just right they exactly. it's, it's a lack of education when it comes yeah. to that has lakes appreciation month made a difference have we seen a difference in, you know nationwide or community-wide well you know i would you know i'd like to say yes yeah. and and the reason why is that you know i have been personally involved with um participating and putting on 
uh, events every July uh, for the last 20-some years. And just knowing the number of people that that uh, volunteer their time to come out and, like, say, do a shoreline cleanup or or build a boardwalk on a lake or, or plant trees around a lake. Uh, there's just a lot of people that I have met over the years uh, that truly do find it uh, rewarding to have this opportunity to, to, to give back to your local resources. And the other thing that has been sort of a part of this is that Early on, we had, I mentioned that poster that was on my professor's floor. We started having, Nalm started having students have a poster contest. They would draw, you know, a pretty poster that would represent what lakes mean to them. And then EPA funds would mass produce these posters and we would send them out everywhere to to honor Lakes Appreciation Month. so that's been going on for many years this whole time. So I would like to say, you know, like this whole generation of people growing up that had participated in that poster contest, um, you know, probably does remember what, what July is about. We've also just recently, Noms has put, brought back uh, the poster contest, but it's on digital format where we don't print the posters, but we have get all these entries. Uh, we just closed it here uh, June 1st, and we're going to vote on the winners, but it's K all the way through 12th grade. The students get um, an, uh, money as a reward, and then the school itself. And so it's a great way to get you know the younger kids involved. And, and I've learned over the years that if you get kids involved and excited about something, then they take that home and, and you know share it with the family, their parents, their aunts and uncles. Um, so it's a great way that I think it does you know having this event, Lake Appreciation Month, over all these years um, does make a difference because people start thinking about it. And plus, you hear about climate change, you hear about droughts, you hear about all these water topics all the time. So it, it's definitely um, relatable, for sure. It is. And, and I've seen product of NOMS and what they've done over the years just by being fortunate enough to be a member of being a board member of LEAD and now the executive director. And I spent some time with, with one of our water management districts here in Florida as well. What I have noticed, and as you're talking through this, I'm thinking, wow, we, I've seen a lot of NOM stuff in Polk County that didn't, I didn't even know it was NOMs. You know, the poster contest. We, we've done those things that I'm sure right. that we've gathered over the years from, from the North American Lake Management Society. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the other uh, one real quick thing, too, is, you know, a lot of volunteers go out, and I mentioned that Secchi disc. They go out on a lake, and they'll take a water clarity reading with the Secchi disc. They won't do it just one time during the Secchi dip-in. They'll do it all year long or all summer long. And so there's a lot of state and province programs where they have, you know, volunteers, uh, kids all the way up to senior citizens that just love being out on the water. They'll give them an excuse. Um, and so there's a there's a strong interest in people getting actually out on the water, on the boat, and then collecting a little bit of data that, that, that can then actually help people make decisions about if it's a lake's getting better or worse or or finally getting you know new information on a lake that maybe has never been monitored before so so even through lake appreciation month and gnomes um there's a there's a definitely a big network of citizen-based volunteers that that do a lot for lakes we have that here in polk county as well and 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 we're fortunate to have that we are florida and we have a tremendous amount of people that move here every single day and they move yeah. here because of the environment, because we have a beautiful beach or because we have a beautiful lake. 
and they want to live on that lake. They want to boat on that lake, but they also want to have a beautiful green yard. Yes. And, and I think yeah. that's one of the biggest struggles we have in Florida is to, to help people understand that the amount of fertilizer you're putting on your yard per capita is like a gazillion times a farmer would use per capita. Oh, yeah. Do you run into that, you know, educating consumers and our residents? How can they improve the lake they live on? Yeah, yeah. So I have been knee-deep in this effort here in Colorado statewide for promoting phosphorus-free lawn fertilizers. Mm. Um, we're not, you know, there's about 12, 13 states that actually, in Florida I think is one of them where they have it on the books. There's a, there's regulations and, and yes. rules on, on fertilizing lawns. Um, Colorado, you know, we're kind of, we said, let's try to do a grassroots effort. Let's do outreach and education, build a coalition, get all the information together and, and educate people. So we're trying that, and I've been doing it for about a year and a half, and I've, you know, I'm supposed to be a lake expert, but I've, I've definitely <laughs> become a fertilizer and lawn expert over, right. over the years. Um, and so, yeah, we're trying to educate people about that you can still have a green lawn um, and also have a green lake downstream because what we're trying, what we're finding is that there's so much phosphorus in the topsoil in your lawns that you don't need to put the phosphorus on there that um, you can just get away with putting a little bit of nitrogen on it. And the other thing is we have these, postcards that we're giving out to people who buy fertilizers from stores that you know kind of go through the four r's right place right rate right time right product and it kind of just clearly educates people about you know how to apply it where to apply it how much to put on all that kind of stuff and literally well we've done some surveys and people just are so pro water that yet they of course don't want to hurt water quality and the water is important to them and so once they find out that what they're doing in their front lawn as little of an effort or a little of a impact it sounds by just fertilizing and maybe getting a little bit on your driveway and then it rains the next day they quickly say oh yeah i'll change my practices or my behaviors or i'll buy phosphorus free fertilizers if it means helping water quality so that is definitely a big one um because in my world of water quality it you know, I, it all goes back to phosphorus and how yes. much phosphorus gets into your fresh water. That really kind of dictates how green is that lake going to look during the summer. And once people and citizens find out that, you know, their daily decisions of whatever they do with their lawn, how they wash their car, picking up their pet waste, once they realize that they're in this much bigger realm of a watershed and how it's all connected, um, people are willing to make, you know, make changes in their behaviors and habits uh, and so i think i have i have high hopes that once people really start really you know like you said people a lot of people move into florida a lot of people are moving to the west they move to denver we get a lot of people from the midwest and they think the stormwater systems are combined where if it goes down that storm drain on the street it's magically getting treated right somewhere at a treatment plant but here in colorado and denver they're separate we don't have uh treatment systems for stormwater. It goes to that storm drain. It might go through a grassy swale, but it most likely it goes to a pipe to the South Platte River and could be with, uh, you know, I work on Bar Lake, which is a little bit downstream of Denver and within 12 or so hours, that water, stormwater could be getting into my lake. So right. it's just a matter of educating people about watersheds, their practices, um, and hopefully collectively, you know, we all get smarter with each generation and we, we get better and better and we realize 
that we can do things in a better way. That's perfect, Steve. And, and one of the things that I used to talk about a lot when working with the Water Management District was, you know, we did things differently here in Florida 50 years ago. We were, we were wet and, and we moved into this swampland and we thought the right thing to do was drain the land. Was it right? Well, it was what we did then. It wasn't right. And now we know it wasn't right. And uh, one of the greatest examples we have here in Florida is, you know, in the 60s, we channelized the Kissimmee River. Prior to that, it's this beautiful, natural oxbow river. All the rain that fell in Orlando just kind of flowed through the oxbows. It got treated before it went to the Okeechobee. And then we decided to channelize that river, and we mainlined all those nutrients right to the lake. So just like you said... And so here we are, 50 years later, saying, you know what, we're going to spend $3 billion and we're going to put the oxbows back to the river. Right. Because yeah. it's the right thing to do. So it's a battle because you got folks out there that, that want it clean now, but, you know, we did a lot of damage over the years. It's going to take a while to hopefully fix it. Like you said, people today do want to have clean water and they want to have mm-hmm. water they can recreate on. And, and that goes hand in hand. Yeah, the recreation, you know, people just drawn to water, right. whether it's the beach or the ocean or river or, or lakes, and, and people truly do appreciate it uh, deep down, and I think they just, once they realize that there's a Lake Appreciation Month, that, that there's these things that they can do, people usually get on board pretty quickly. They really do, and, and you know, besides NOMS, besides the North American Lake Management Society and, and your efforts, and, and, and then what we do, what Lakes Education Action Drive does to educate people. Do you know of other resources that people could plug into, you know, on a, in a global perspective to, to find out more information on water quality? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, NOMS is, 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 is go-to. It's, it's, like you said, it's a melting pot. I've used that organization for mm. my daily professional life as well as connections. Um, it has great resources for citizens. So definitely the NOMS website has a great amount of, of information. And then... I've been on boards and members of uh, the CLRMA, that's the Colorado state chapter or affiliate. I've been on the Indiana state affiliate. I've been on the Oregon one. So wherever I go, I try to join the state's lake group. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great resource for the lo- more local. Um, and then, of course, yeah, there's, you know, watersheds, lake associations, uh, right, you know, right next to the lake that have uh, – a plethora of information, people that have been on the lake for a long time or, or have studied it. Um, so that's, so all the way, you know, all these organizations from national, international down to your local, they're all great resources. And of course, EPA, I mean, we're in the 50th year anniversary of the Clean Water Act right. and EPA. So right. that, you know, that's also another good organization that, that uh, does a lot of good work regionally throughout the country. So, you know, you know, in this day and age, you Google it, and it's amazing what you can find. What you can find out there. Some people call me about this question, and you know, I secretly just Google it, and then I look pretty smart to them. But there's a lot of stuff out there that's good information on the internet. For, for, um, you know, I usually say if if you have a problem, uh, I'm sure a hundred people have already had your problem and have already had a solution to it. So uh, instead of reinventing the wheel, it's it's good to just learn from what else has been going on out there. So it just takes a little time and asking and and joining groups, getting on newsletters, stuff like that. It does. You just said something I don't think I realized, and, and I know about the Clean Water Act. I, you know, I work for a water management district. 
we're in our 50th year, 1972. I didn't even think about that. I, I, that's very cool. You're right. NOMS has been a great resource for us. And, and folks listening, uh, Polk County, our Parks and Natural Resources Department, and uh, those guys, you know, at Circle B Bar Reserve, all the different parks we have here in Polk County that are around water bodies, either the Peace River or one of our other little streams or one of our lakes. And, and they're manages this on a daily basis. We have the FWC that, that manages our, our aquatic weeds for, for Polk County. There's so many investors that we pay for. There are governments. And, and we, we invest in those governments to help take care of our, our local water quality. But it, it's really up to us, too, and especially if we live on that lake. And just like Steve said, you know, no phosphorus in your fertilizer or, or just don't fertilize or, you know, do it very mindful or, or have swales in your yard where, where the water just doesn't mainline right back out into your lake is, is so important. There's so many things you can do as a resident. That's really what kind of what we wanted to talk about, too, and that's what I thought NOMS is just such a great organization to help people understand that. So LEAD is taking the lead, pun intended, here in Polk County, and we'll host a Lakes Appreciation Challenge. We want to invite our listeners to participate in the Show Your Lakes Appreciation Challenge on social media, on Instagram. We want you to take a lake selfie. So between now and July 31st, Take a selfie on one of Polk County's lakes, hopefully picking up trash and cleaning it up. Tag the Lakes Education Action Drive on Instagram and use the hashtag PolkLakeSelfie. First place winner is going to receive a $100 gift card, and I'm sure there'll be some other gift cards that come along after that as well. I'm interrupting today's podcast to let everyone know just how excited we are to have Watson Clinic sponsor this year's Show Your Lakes Appreciation Challenge. For over eight decades, Watson Clinic has built a world-class reputation for healthcare excellence with one of the largest multi-specialty medical clinics in the Southeast. Not only could you win a $100 gift card from the Andy Thornell Company, Polk County's premier outfitter, but Fred's Market Restaurant is also providing gift cards. After a long day cleaning one of Polk County's beautiful lakes, you can hop on over to Fred's for a great dinner. Pick a lake, pick a family member or coworker, and show your lakes appreciation. Go to www.lakeseducation.org or our Instagram page for more information. Now, back to lead. So Steve, you volunteer. That's a lot of your effort and a lot of your work that you do, but you have a job. You know, what, yeah. what is Metro Water Recovery? What do you guys do? It's a it's a regional wastewater treatment plant for about a million and a half people, pretty much the urban metro area of Denver, where our plant site is uh, down uh, on the South Platte, downstream of Denver. And so we were in a situation with Bar Lake, which is a state park. If you ever fly into Denver, you fly right over Bar Lake. Um, and in the 1940s, 1950s, it had some serious water quality problems, and they realized that uh, all these smaller uh, wastewater treatment plants weren't doing quite the job. So they formed this quasi-government metro uh, wastewater treatment plant and, and built it in the 60s. Uh, by the late 70s, it was uh, Bar Lake became a state park already. Water quality was improving. All along, since they've been in existence, they, they have, have done a great job of 
making sure that downstream from their discharge that um, the water quality uses are being met. Uh, we've done fish surveys in the South Platte for um, almost uh, 30 years. Uh, we, we do all the monitoring on the, on the South Platte River. We do groundwater monitoring. We even monitor all the way to the Nebraska border, just making sure our water quality is, is looking good. And then I got hired in 20 years ago to come in and set up the lake monitoring program because there's these reservoirs that divert water from the South Platte downstream of the regional wastewater treatment plant, Metro Water Recovery. And so my job was to, to do all the water quality monitoring, figure out what was the problem, uh, come up with solutions, work with you know regulatory agencies, and, and form a watershed group. And so uh, Metro Water Recovery, um, uh, we, we just recently rebranded our name because truly that's what we do. We, we do recover the water and make it usable quickly downstream. So that is actually who, who I work for. But there, it's amazing. I wear many different hats. And so, you know, I may be at a, a NOMS board meeting one day or I might be working on the lake the next or I'd be, you know, talking to regulators the next day. So it's, it's a fun place to work. It, they have a strong uh, vested interest in, in water quality for sure. And so, um, but if you would have told me, you know, 25 years ago coming out of grad school that I'd be working at a wastewater treatment plant, I would have said you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's amazing. It's worked out well. We have a team of water quality scientists here, and, and we do good work. Our last podcast, we had a chance to speak with the uh, utilities director in Polk County talking about direct potable reuse. Mm-hmm. And just a fascinating story, and that's a tremendous amount of water coming out of a wastewater facility that can be used. Or, you know, at the very least, you, what you, you know, just keeping it clean to ensure that it, it's, it's taking care of our environment. It's, it's amazing. Where water is not plentiful here in this semi-arid place, um, we're very creative with it. So, it's, for example, any water that, that gets diverted from the west slope of the Rockies and gets put through tunnels underneath the Continental Divide and comes over to the Denver side, by water law, that water can be used to extinction. So wow. the idea is like uh, drinking entities, water agencies, can recover that water from our outfalls uh, clean it up again and use it for irrigation and watering golf courses and then they so they can just keep using that uh, water as much as they can keep capturing it so it doesn't go to waste so that's just an example how kind of crazy the water laws are over here so yeah wastewater treatment plants there's definitely um a resource you know, we're, we're starting to actually uh, another neat thing is we're we're recovering phosphorus as a, a viable product that can be incorporated into compost and and so we're actually recovering phosphorus instead of just putting it into a landfill or having it go into the South Platte. So not only do we recover water, but we recover, you know, the nutrients that are, that are coming with it. So it's definitely interesting. It sure is, I Steve. I, yeah. I'm not a wastewater expert. I'm a lake expert, but it, it's, it's fun being here and seeing the amazing technology that, that has changed over the 50 years of the Clean Water Act to, to how well we treat our wastewater. Absolutely. Yeah. So for more information on Metro Water Recovery, you can find them on the web. Just go to MetroWaterRecovery.com. They're also on Facebook, like them, and they also have a LinkedIn page. So check them out there, and you can get more information about what they do. Well, folks, besides what we have talked about today, you can find additional opportunities to appreciate Polk County Lakes. Visit our site, lakeseducation.org. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also 
consider becoming a member of our organization. And that way you are helping with our water quality here in Polk County. Well, Steve, thank you so very much for being our guest today and providing a tremendous insight and importance of water quality. Thank you. Sure. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, far too often we do forget how important our lakes are and for our economy and the environment and more importantly, our sustainability. So I hope today's podcast really got a good understanding of not only what Lakes Appreciation Month is about, but why we celebrate it and why it's so important for our water quality. So until next time, please again follow us on Facebook for more information on water quality education, our events, and our contests that we just mentioned today. Have a great day. enjoyed this episode of lead once again thank you florida's horizon and the off-brand studios for your generous hospitality if you would like to be a part of lead and sponsor this podcast just send an email to lakeseducation at hotmail.com to learn more about the lakes education action drive visit them at www.lakeseducation.org please join us on the next episode of lead